For those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a number of years, you know how pro-pet friendly I am. My company, Cottage Link Rental Management, has been super pet friendly for nearly 20 years now. And that's a good thing because most of our guests have a pet. They're coming out of the city of Toronto. It's only a few hours drive and they want to bring their pets and more and more families have dogs now. So it's a really great niche for us to be in. So when I came across Sue Allen from East Ruston Cottages recently, because she was presenting on the Direct Booking Success Summit about being pet friendly, I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about this particular topic, because it's something I haven't covered in the seven years I've been doing this podcast. So here we go. And if you're not pet friendly at the moment, and even if you never want to have a pet in your property, it's certainly worth a listen, because I I think as we go forward, more and more families are going to have a pet in the home, and it may be worthwhile just considering. So listen in. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Summit. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, super delighted to be back with you. I'm sitting here recording this intro, looking out of the back window of my RV in Gulf Shores State Park. So yes, folks, I made it all the way down south. We hit the border on the day it opened. We weren't there at 12.01. There were a lot of people who were planning to be there for the minute the border opened. But we did delay it till about nine o'clock in the morning. And there was a bit of a lineup just before the the toll booth to go over the Blue Water Bridge at Sarnia. But after that, we were straight through, thanks to our Nexus card. And away we went. And here we are. And it is absolutely lovely being here in my southern office. So I will be recording from here for the next five months. Apart from a brief hiatus when we go back to Ontario for Christmas, because I do like do like a bit of Christmas in the snow, we shall be here until the end of March, and then April we'll meander our way back up to Ontario to be there for for the time when the snow is all gone, which is around about the end of April. So it's going to be a long time away, but I'm super, super happy to be here. Super happy to be close to all my friends who work down in this area. Lucky folks. And of course, my special friend, Amy Hynote, who I'm going to be seeing at the Vacation Rental Women's Summit in just a couple of weeks. And I can't wait for that. So talking about summits right now, if you're listening to this on publication date, The Direct Booking Success Summit is on at this moment, so you can still watch for free. You may miss a couple of sessions if you're late to to listening to this, but you can still watch for free. Just go to the show notes. You'll see a link to the Direct Booking Success Summit. I'm on there talking about optimising websites. And today's guest, Sue Allen of East Ruston Cottages, is doing a presentation on niche, on, on having the best niche for your business. And her niche, 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 
whichever you prefer, whether you want British or whether you want American, it's niche or niche. Hers is pet friendly. So we are talking today about being pet friendly, what it really, really means and how you can be friendly to your families, your guests who bring their pets rather than just tolerant and why it makes such a difference to be so. So without further ado, let's move on over and uh, have a good chat with Sue Allen. So I'm so excited to have with me today Sue Allen from East Ruston Cottages in Norfolk in UK. And we're going to talk about being pet friendly. Welcome, Sue. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with me. And it's a real pleasure to be asked to do this. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, it's it's the first one I've ever done. So bear with me if it's not great, but um, I'm very passionate about my subject and love my job. So hopefully I can um, share a few tips and hints and, and let people know about the dog friendly holiday lettings niche. Yeah, and it is it is a wonderful niche to be in, and I'm in exactly the same one. I mean, we do have we do have properties in our portfolio that aren't pet friendly, but majority of them are. And I'm really excited about this too, because I realized that in the 400, and I think this is going to be about 415, episode 415, and I have never touched this subject before, which seems ridiculous. So we're going to to nail this one, Sue. (laughs) Good. Well, you shall. So let's kick off. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into the holiday rental business in the first place? I ask absolutely everybody this because I'm so curious, you know, why why are you here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why do we do this? Um, You know, actually, it was an accident. I was a guest. I was always a guest long before I I got involved on this side of the, the industry. And as a guest, I holidayed in the UK every year for about 10 years. And I had at varying times three to four dogs. And it was incredibly difficult to find somewhere where I could take those three to four dogs. You know, I wanted a secure garden as I had lurchers. So I needed to be able to let them out for a wee in the morning and know that they weren't going to disappear off over a two foot fence. Um, I didn't particularly want to pay £25 a dog extra when I couldn't really see what value there was to that. I wasn't averse to paying something, but some some of the charges are ridiculous. And it, it, it just got really, really difficult every single year. And I thought, we, you know, I can't be alone in this. There must be other people out there with, with multiple dogs, say more than one or two, um, who have this struggle. And we actually, we ended up staying in some quite doggy properties as well. And I thought this, you know, we're paying for these properties just because we've got dogs. It doesn't mean to say we need to be substandard. So there were quite a lot of hurdles that I found it was, you know, un- unnecessary really to overcome got an opportunity after a few years to set up our own property. And it was luckily it was from sort of scratch. It was a barn conversion. So we thought, right, let's, let's set this up in a way that we, we would really want to holiday in this place. So we, you know, we put down hard floors and we had a fully secure garden, all sorts of stuff. And I thought, right, you know, let's, um, let's let it out. We did it through one of the big agencies and uh, very quickly learned that, you know, there was absolutely no kind of dedication from them really. And they charged an arm and a leg and a little bit of soul as well to, to get the bookings. And I thought, mm, I think, yeah, I might be able to do this a bit better like you do when you're in totally and utterly new to something and you don't know any of the pitfalls. So <laughs> I set up East Ruston Cottages, completely unimaginative name, um, and I've kind of regretted it since because it doesn't really say what it does on the tin. But that at the time, that's where we were and that's where we started. Set up a website and got bookings straight away. Uh, I think we we looked for something like, I was hoping for like 50% occupancy in the first year and we got 75%. And it was very clear to us that 
the guests we had were all, oh my God, this is what we've been looking for. We really appreciate this. You know, the fact that we can come here with our four or five dogs and not pay a penny extra and you've got all these extras for us and sofa throws and bowls and you know secure outside area it really nailed it home to me that there were definitely other people out there looking so I sort of became you know I still went on dog-friendly holidays myself but I was offering them and and basically the business grew really um, organically uh, people that I knew locally or that knew me would say oh can we join in this and I went, yeah sure as long as you're prepared to take a few dogs and 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 that's really what's happened. And and then we've we've subsequently had guests who've bought properties here, and I now run their properties for them. And yeah, it's it's grown like that. But that's how I started, just because I was mm-hmm. it was I was providing something that I personally was was looking for, and and it, it grew from there really. That that is fantastic. And I know you know when I was living in England, and and even so, even now when I go back, I, we will always choose a vacation rental. Or a holiday rental because we want to bring all our family together that's in England and they've all got pets. So, yeah. so I know that struggle, that struggle still exists, you know, in different parts of the country, but we always used to go down to Cornwall and we'd find some of these, you know, some, some properties down there that would, would accept pets. But I understand what you mean about they were doggy properties. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that it was almost as though, oh, you're bringing a dog so you don't care about the standard. Exactly uh, that, which is wrong. You know, it's not right at all. Yeah. So how many properties do you currently have? Uh, I think we're about 35 at the moment. Um, I'm losing a couple this year because the owners are moving into them, which I think is immensely selfish of them. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, hey, they are beautiful properties. Um, But I've got a queue of of others that want to join um, all different sort of shape sizes um, and everything. So, yeah, we're we're 35 and we've got a super control uh, subscription to get up to 50 potentially, which I think will have to be my my sticking point otherwise I'll you know disappear <laughs> up my um, own backside with work but it's it's all good fun so when uh, can you elaborate are you've got a super what, what's super control well super control is um so I don't know if there's any people listening who who use super control it's an industry booking system very very good uh well it, yeah it's very good it, it, it basically allows us to process all the bookings um the payments and set up auto emails mm-hmm. It, it liaises with my website. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's really, really good functionality. And once you get it all set up, it saves you an awful lot of work. So yeah, we, I, I really like Super Control. Not sort of, there are other booking systems out there. I know that, but Super Control is my chosen one at the moment. It, it's, it's a question I ask of every property manager I speak to, you know, what property management system are you using? Does it work for you? Um, because I, th- I think it's always nice to give a plug to those uh, platforms from people who are actually using them and and having success with them. So you will find people listening, you will find a link to Super Control on the show notes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Just in terms of that, what what other software do you use so to, um, to, to make your business run smoothly? What do we use? Well, I use I have a, a QuickBooks for the accounts, but I, I third party that out anyway. And uh, we use Beyond Pricing. It's not sort of soft. Well, I suppose it is software, isn't it? Beyond Pricing to help us set the prices up. Took quite a big leap of faith to do that because um, the prices that they are putting in for our properties are quite a lot higher than they used to be. But I I sort of stuck with it, gulped, went right, let's do this. And I'm really actually very, very pleased with, with the performance now of the properties, the prices that they're achieving, the ease at which it is to, to use. I mean, setting them all up manually at first was just so time consuming, but now it's it's very sort of dynamic. 
Um, I have a monthly check-in with them and they review the prices for everything. So, and again, my owners were a little bit like, oh my God, so you can't possibly charge as much for our property. And I sort of went, just bear with me. We'll we'll see how this works. Don't worry. And now they're all embracing it completely. So so that's they're, they're probably the two key ones, the super control and beyond pricing. We also have um, Booking Protect as well um, that we offer to the guests if they want to take that on. Um, you know, for any refund problems, but yeah, they all they all seem to tick over quite nicely together. Thankfully, well, that that's that's wonderful that that you're working with with Beyond because Beyond is uh, just about that they have been a sponsor of the Vacation Rental Success podcast. Oh wow, okay, that's good. Didn't and, realize that. And we are just going into a new sponsorship with Beyond, and we're going wow. to be producing a series of videos to to share with the uh, with the youtube audience in fact on on how dynamic pricing works so brilliant i had I mean, no it, idea that you were no, going to mention it's, them <laughs> it's uh, no again okay, no and i had no idea they sponsored you either honestly i really didn't and <laughs> and it, you know it did it from from sort of being an individual agent and Perhaps you know you get you get stuck in your way. So when Beyond Pricing was sort of presented to me by Super Control, I thought, oh, I don't know scary stuff, but I'm really <laughs> pleased, and I and I feel very looked after by them as well. I have a sort of you know a, um, one person who who checks in with me, and we have a Zoom meeting every month, and I really feel like my properties are being looked at, my portfolio is being looked at, and you know, we're maximizing the prices really that we can get. So, and it's so flexible as well. That's what I really like about it. If, you know, if some, one of my owners comes to me and says, oh, Sue, that price is too much for that way, or we want more, I can change things so easily. And it, it saves mm-hmm. me hours, if not days of time, really, really good, really impressed. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Um, just so, so what year did you, did you start? Um, I was about 14 years ago, 14 years ago, next okay. April. So yeah, it's, right. it's been a while. It's been a little bit stop start because we've sort of reached to say a certain number of properties and then thought, oh no, this is, um, you know, enough. And then I've grown a little bit more and then somebody's come along and said, oh, I've got this lovely property and then I can't resist. So I get another <laughs> one, you know, <laughs> a bit of a for a nice holiday cottage. <laughs> and how do you manage with staffing? Well, basically, I don't employ anybody. I don't really want to go down that route, but I have got um, so my I have somebody who does a bookkeeping. I have an accountant who t- ties up with the bookkeeper. I have a lady called uh, Georgie. So hopefully she'll get to listen to this. She's absolutely fantastic. She's self employed. She actually works for another small agent in the area in Norfolk, and we use the same systems. We use, she uses Super Control. She also uses Beyond Pricing, and the properties are all in the same area. And she's just, Georgie's just fantastic. She's ex-forces, um, so she's very organized. Dog lover, has to be really. I mean, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, I did have somebody who worked for me who wasn't a dog lover and actually they, there was a marked difference. But so I, I basically use... Um, Georgie to do an awful lot. Something else I do that I, it isn't kind of official um, formal, but my owners are actually really kind of part of the business as well. They, some of them, not all of them, but we have a WhatsApp group and lots of them chime in on there. So they ask questions, for example, if one of them gets stuck about needing an emergency plumber or where to buy the best bed linen from or what people, what the others put in their welcome pack. And they all chat to each other and help each other out. So that's a sort of cheeky way of, instead of mm-hmm. me answering all their questions, they answer all their own questions and some of them will help out with things like social media as well they put their own content up on their own sort of facebook pages and i have a third party lady who does um social media for me as well she um, we use content cal um this is a content calendar so she puts in a lot of posts i can easily put in a lot of posts and she's really quite good at setting up collaborations with other dog um products and stuff so we've got sort of extend the reach out into the doggy world so it's very kind of yeah it's not it's not desperately organized but everyone seems to do a good job and chip in. 
Well, I, I love uh, love what you're saying about social media because I was on your Facebook page this morning and immediately sent the link to my marketing manager and said, look at this. This is such a great Facebook page. It sort of takes, you know, you've got some really good engagement. Yeah, um, yeah really good. That, that, that's it. To get people to comment on a page mm-hmm. is tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so is that something you're doing or is that something your your social media? Well, it's probably the ones that get the most engagement, I think, are probably that. Well, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, uh, Kerry, her name is she's um, she sets up a lot of the ones that are the conversational ones and the ones that will link to other dog products and feature other dog products and stuff. And yeah. And ask the questions. So we sort of experiment and, and I'll see one that she does. And I think, oh, I know I've got a question I can ask as well. And so between us, we do mm-hmm. it, um, which works really, really well. I've got I get a lot of content content basically sent to me by the guests you know pictures of their dogs on holiday and ideas about things so we're never short of content Hmm. Um, what we've also got is a little chat group as well which is it's a it's a public group it's not private but it's sort of the east ruston cottages chat about your dog friendly holiday and that's again another wonderful little resource because i can point guests in, in the direction of that they can say something like we're coming on holiday next week and we're looking for the nearest best dog friendly pub or beach and loads of the guests and owners will pop on there and give them their recommendations. And they're actually much, quite often, they're more recent. You know, I, I can go round mm-hmm. to all the dog-friendly pubs. Sure, I love that, that, but I can't get to do all of them. You know, and as, and also things like beaches and stuff, people want recommendations on that or, or shops for dog food. So that little chat group also really forms a great function um, and mm-hmm. then it sort of supports the, the main group as well. But yeah, we, we do get a lot of engagement on the main Facebook page. Yeah, well, I'm, we, we are going to be learning from that and and I'll make sure that there's a link to your Facebook page on, on the show you. notes as well. Brilliant. Because uh, I, w- I was just very drawn to it and, and I love the fact you've got a group as well. No. Yeah, it, it, I'm really pleased with the group. It works. It works so well for everybody. And you know, it it ne- it never. Um, you know, some social media groups, Facebook groups particularly, can end up in a bit of punch up about things. It never does. It never gets <laughs> yes. tricky. You know, it, it, yeah, it just doesn't. Everyone's really nice. You know, and they all love dogs and they all like Norfolk and they kind of all that that shows basically within it. Yeah, I would. I, I'm not going to. Yeah, I am saying. You know, how could anybody get political about dogs? But I'm sure. Well, yeah, you know, in can. certain places yeah. they probably can. Yeah, 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 certainly. And I did say at the start of this, uh, this uh, in the introduction, that we're not touching on the topic of service dogs here, because no. I know that for people who don't welcome pets, the topic of service dogs is is a is a big issue. Yeah, so, yeah uh, sure. but we're not we're not going there. Nope. Um, <laughs> we we should talk about you know what makes a property pet friendly. You know we talk about it. So I like, throw this thing out. It's always pet friendly. But what makes for a perfect pet friendly? Uh, let's start with location, and then we'll perhaps go into you know what what determines what goes inside the property. Yeah, I mean, well. For, for, Speaking from here, from Norfolk point of view, um, location-wise for us would be be able to walk to the beach because we are we are so lucky. We've got a coastline that's blessed with miles and miles and miles of joined up sandy, dog-friendly year-round beaches. So if you if I've got a property where somebody can be on the beach, you know, in sort of under half an hour, that's a good location. But in an ideal world, they would also have some amenities close by as well. So a dog-friendly pub, dog-friendly cafe you know, a shop as well. So we've got, you know, we've got a couple of villages along the coastline here, which are absolutely perfect. You know, you, you, you're in a village, it's, it's small enough, but it's big enough to have a nice pub and you can get to the coast as well. And if you can then do some inland country walks, that makes it absolutely spot on. And, and we have got quite a lot like that. You know, if the, if the tide is in, um, or it's a particularly wet to windy day, you can head off inland and walk in some woodland and along some farm tracks as well. So from 
the UK dog owner's point of view, those are really the ideal locations. So that's something I really miss, actually. I mean, you think of Canada being this massive open space and just enormous, but I miss public footpaths in England. Oh, we wow. Okay. Have, really? We don't have public footpaths. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh my gosh. I mean, we, we are so lucky here because yeah. we've got, we've got miles of footpaths. We've got uh, what they call permissive pathways. We've got bridleways. I mean, I have a horse and I ride him all around the, the countryside as well. And they're so easy. We don't have, because we don't have livestock, it's really arable around here. So there aren't lots of styles to climb over or, or I mean, I know it's lovely mm. to have hills with stone walls and everything, but we don't have that. So you can literally walk very easily for miles. It's relatively flat. We've got so much choice of footpaths that they, you just, they don't get busy. You know, you just don't get a lot of yeah. people on them. So it's absolutely heaven if you want to go wandering off, you know, around the Norfolk countryside. And like I say, we've got a couple of woods nearby as well. And some with the Norfolk Broads, I mean, that's a whole new other um, area that is is fantastic around here. So we're, we're very, very lucky. But yeah, footpaths, God, is that, mm-hmm. I just you take it for granted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's, uh, certainly I get asked, you know, where can I take my dog? And it could be just down the cottage road. People ask about trails and things. And, you know, we, once you get into our provincial parks, and we do have a lot of them, but it's still somewhere that you have to drive to. So, yeah, okay. no, but, I, but I think any and, and anybody who's thinking about being pet friendly is just, you know, think wider think wider than just yeah. your property itself but yes, think wider exactly. about, about where somebody who's bringing their dog is going to exercise them mm-hmm. you know how can they enjoy their vacation with their dog rather than just you know bringing their dog because they have to Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, a a lot of them are going to come because they want to walk their dog round and about or explore the area with their dog. So, you know, you need to let them know about the dog friendly places, the places they can go. And I mean, we even use something called um, Plotter Route. So if somebody emails me and says, oh, Sue, I'm coming to stay, blah, blah, blah. I've got a reactive dog, doesn't really want to meet other dogs. Can you recommend any routes? Can you recommend a, a footpath to get to the local pub? I can just do them a quick plotter route and ping it over so they can see before they come what what mm. the potential is for walking around. And yeah, it's it's it, they will be out with their dogs every day, you know, doing doing something. So it's always a great idea to let them know about walks and where they can go so they can make the most of the holiday. Mm-hmm. What about uh, I mean, you talked about fence yards, fence in, in North America, fence yards aren't that common. OK, you no. Know, and, and certainly in our in our cottage area, it's all free boundaries. And in fact, you know, there's people in that in some of our lakefront areas and you have a small lake maybe with 30, 40 properties on it, some of which will rent out. But these the people who live there or who go there every year for the summer, their dogs usually roam freely. So it's oh not gosh. unusual <laughs> to get up in the morning and find two or three dogs on your doorstep. Oh and... no, that wouldn't work here. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it, no, I think it's just very different. In England, we all have our little patch, don't we? Our little garden yeah. or yard or whatever it is. I mean, you know, I know yards are gardens over there, but we have an outside area that is ours and it's enclosed and it's our little domain, but it also means that we can allow our dogs out there freely mm-hmm. and safely without them without them coming across other dogs or going off down the road and not knowing where they are. And actually, I think that kind yeah. of that would all be very illegal here as well. You need to have collars and tags on when they're out and they should be under control and so on. But it's quite a key thing for here in the UK, if you can offer a holiday property that has got an enclosed area. Because mm-hmm. I'm what I'm thinking is, and this is sort of my experience, get up in the morning, put the kettle on, dog needs to go out for a wee. You want to just open the door and let it out and know that it's going to be safe and secure and come back in again mm-hmm. and equally at night you know last thing you want to open the door not take it out on the lead or not 
worry that it's going to go off down the road and disappear yeah. so I'm not not sure I'd be, and I think also because we, we have a lot of dogs here I don't know if it's the same in Canada but we do seem to have an awful lot of dogs here that are reactive and I think after Covid where they haven't mm-hmm. been socialized very well and people bought the puppies and so on and so forth so reactive dogs are quite a thing I think that we we get asked about and the owners of those reactive dogs really want to be able to let their dogs outside safe and secure knowing that they won't see another dog or or see another person and start barking at them so the secure gardens are are really quite a big thing here definitely yeah interesting interesting I I have a 16 year old beagle (laughs) oh my goodness I bet that's off all the time Well, no, actually, she she she's not. She's she's a beagle in in just name only. Okay, because she's fright, she she's always been frightened of loud noises, and she doesn't stray. Oh, good. <laughs> but but so so I do kick her out. You know, open the door and off she goes. And we've got this wide open area, so I'm I'm very glad of that. But uh, but yes, you know, I, I understand. I've got this 16 year old dog that likes to go out at four o'clock in the morning. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Because you she don't can't want to make it through the night. And put it on a lead and yeah. <laughs> I know I'm I'm down in Gulf Shores, Alabama for, for five months in an RV um, oh my goodness. over the winter. You know, I'm a, what yeah. they call a snowbird. So we, we head south in the winter. Sounds and cool. when we get out of the uh, out of the RV stroke caravan in the morning, she's got to go on a leash. And it's like, oh, no, four o'clock. The thought of four o'clock every morning yeah, of having to absolutely. put this leash on, carry her. And she's not a light. Oh she's my not God. a light beagle. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's she's pretty sedentary now at, at that age so having to carry her down the steps and yeah oh, so I, I understand yeah, I understand yeah. the fence yard it would be it would be great what about <laughs> indoors though so what makes it a, a good location in indoors indoors well it's I mean there's several things that are ideal but you can always work around them so I mean something like a solid floor throughout the, the downstairs area would be great because it just means it's a lot easier to clean you know a lot easier for for, for yeah easy to clean basically um and sometimes uh the yeah the hard floors you sometimes it's a good idea to put down some sort of rugs and stuff that are easy clean as well washable so that if you've got dogs like greyhounds and stuff with great long slippery legs so they're not going to fall over so that's just a very basic practical thing it doesn't matter if it's carpet though as long as it's a fairly hard wearing carpet and you're it just gives the owner a bit more confidence as well that it's like mm-hmm. oh it's not a beautiful plush white one because you start to worry about that but if it's nice practical flooring some division either able to close doors between certain rooms so you can put your dogs in certain rooms or some of our owners provide sort of like uh, children's gates the ones that you put across the doorway but you can still see through mm. what I tend to encourage if at all possible is for the dog to be allowed f- full access to downstairs areas I don't really like the owners to have rules about oh it must stay in the kitchen or what have you because that isn't dog friendly but it works very very well in all the properties we've got some of them are open plan some of them are sort of smaller cottagey ones and it, I leave it up to the owners of the dogs to decide where they want their their dogs mm-hmm. to be so certainly having having something like that you know uh, hard flooring being able to separate off rooms if you want things like and then we provide bits and pieces like um sofa throws so that if the owners of the dogs want to have them on the sofa with them they've got the throws to use um, it's obviously more practical if you're going to set up a home from scratch to maybe have the leather sofas or sofas that are easy to clean. Um, and again, the owners of the dogs will sit on the sofa and think, actually, this is not going to be too tricky when I clean this at the end of my stay because mm-hmm. that we do ask them to and they, they invariably do. So things like sofas, um, throws providing bowls dog towels all sorts of bits and pieces really that are extras but aren't particularly expensive so i, I say to owners if you can put a you know crate uh you know that you call them crates cages yeah. 
because a lot of dogs do appreciate that and they're they're not the easiest things in the world to pack and bring in the car so mm-hmm. um they all those sorts of things that are extras i mean I, i've got um, owners that put in grooming equipment we've got warm doggy showers outside and in fact one of the properties has got an outside enclosed warm doggy shower so that people can wash their dog's paws off you know before they come in some provide things like doggy first aid kits i mean the, it mm-hmm. depends on the original owner uh, the owner as to how far you want to go with these things but i think just including things that make the owner of the dogs feel welcome that they've been thought about and also make it easy for them to be in the house and to and to keep it clean I mean, I, I know that the perception can be sometimes that, you know, you're going to have lots and lots of dog hair and muddy paws if you have dogs, but you have got the owners of those dogs that have to share their own houses with them. And so we'll clean them. So if you're providing huh. a hoover and a mop and bucket, nine times out of 10, they'll get used. And if it's a nice, easy to clean floor and easy to clean sort of sofas and things, they will leave it much, much cleaner than a lot of people think is <laughs> my experience talking to all the cleaners and the owners anyway yeah it, it, it's it's interesting I've been saying this for, for, for many many years and I'm sure you will agree with this that to, to go into a property after a family have been uh, it's often easier to clean if they've just got dogs than if they've got children absolutely <laughs> I've always said you know a dog a dog Completely. doesn't a dog doesn't sit on the couch to eat spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And a dog doesn't take crayons and uh, decorate the walls. Yes. Or lampshades or leave lots of sweet wrappers under the beds or pee in waste paper baskets or all the lovely things that children have done over the years. Yeah. My owners all kind of pretty much dread the school holidays. <laughs> you know, they don't because obviously they're good earners and everything and it's not the same. But yes, there are a lot more instances, I'm afraid, of children making messes and damage than there are dogs as it's um, yeah. just the way it is. You didn't mention it, but I know you you provide them as well. That's dog tags. Oh, yes. Yeah, we do dog tags. Some of the owners do. I used to actually provide a, um, an East Ruston Cottages one, but that got a bit complex. So what we've decided is the owners that want to, to provide them will do. So they, yeah, they, they buy them from all sorts of different places and they have their, their a little message on it says, I'm on holiday. Um, so if anyone finds a lost dog. Um, they know that they're on holiday and they quite often put their own telephone number or even my telephone number simply because it's going to be a much easier, quicker mm-hmm. contact. And sometimes, you know, mobile phone signals aren't that good. Whereas if they know that in the, they're in the area, they've got a good phone signal. So that, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing helps. And they get used quite a lot and yeah, go, uh, uh, go down very well with the guests. And they, and they also, you know, they, they provide doggy biscuits. Um, and we've actually got somebody who does doggy cakes as well. So there's always something for the dogs in the welcome pack as well you know as i've as i've traveled rv sites throughout the us the ones that i love the most are the ones where you arrive and they see you know the dogs they can usually see from the office that the window's down and the dog's hanging out the back window and they will always give in and the ones that give us a biscuit yeah you know, yeah they are going like, to get the really good review they are, <laughs> because yeah, they welcomed my pet totally i mean we have we have one owner who who, who gets um, lovely handmade dog biscuits made and she wraps them up in a cellophane um, bag with a ribbon around the top and a tag and they've got the individual dog's names on and we've got another one that has a little blackboard that goes on the table with the welcome pack that says welcome to the dogs and there's just all these individual touches that don't cost yeah. a lot and don't take a lot of time but make such an impact as you say just giving your dog a dog biscuit, it's not going to cost anything, but it makes an impact on, on your experience, doesn't it? And the same with them. We have dog friendly pubs and cafes around here where the first thing that comes over with your coffee is a little bowl of dog biscuits as well. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's just that welcoming element to it. 
And I, th- I think the fact that many places aren't that friendly, they tolerate dogs, mm-hmm. but they yeah. don't welcome them, that there yeah. is this vast contrast between the ones that are really welcoming and then those that say, okay, if you must, you can bring your dog. Yeah, like um, it's just an add-on, want... you know. Yes, yeah. So I, I, I think offering those things, it just has such, as you say, such an impact. So you don't charge a pet fee. Um, nope. Lovely to see that. And it, <laughs> I mean, to, to, for us, for our company, we, we've got a, a, a number one spot on on Google, which with no pet fee. Mm-hmm. In it. If somebody's yeah. looking for no pet fee, they're going to find us. So it it really is it's truly a niche there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, how do you justify not charging a pet fee to owners? Is it? Is, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking it's probably not that difficult because not you're really going bookings. in there. With, yeah, I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, bookings and and kind of brand. Oh, I don't know, brand popularity. You know, that we don't charge. Lots of other people charge out there. If I say to them, you know, genuinely, what what do you think the extra costs will be for having a dog? And they're like, oh, extra cleaning, extra cleaning. I say, you know, okay, speak to one of my existing owners and see what the extra cleaning is for having dogs, and it's virtually nothing. You know, you've got to Hoover, you've got to wipe, you've got to do all the cleaning. So it really, there is no real mm-hmm. reason to charge that extra amount of money. I know, you know, and I know people do, I'm not knocking anyone that does, but I can't personally justify, I just don't feel like it's a thing. And also I think it's very positive to not charge. And I think that is reflected in the bookings. So for the sake of, you know, a, a 15 pound a week dog fee, how about you get far better bookings and better income from those bookings that's a good trade-off so I mean if you know you're looking at it from purely financially um it's 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 overcome um in that mm-hmm. way yeah I also see it that when when people are charged a pet fee particularly if it's high then they consider that well I've already paid for mm-hmm. yeah any cleanup that's required in the pet yep. fee so why that, would I even bother yeah I think you're absolutely right you know they've 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 paid they've been charged for that um cleaning so it, it, it really does encourage that mindset whereas if they feel quite they, I, I, a lot of guests that when they come with several dogs and they haven't had to pay any extra and they've had all these welcoming things they then take on extra responsibility for making sure the property is is good and clean and tidy so it has its own knock-on effect because they want to come back as well you know they don't want to be sort of me to say oh no you can't come back because it was left in terrible mess um, they're pleased to have found some somewhere that's genuinely dog welcoming and they sort of act accordingly. Yeah, we, we are singing from the same hymn sheet for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's some of your properties, you know, let, let, let's look at numbers now mm-hmm. because I think we have we have one property out of 160 that will accept more than two. Okay. And the, the argument is, you know, it's, it's, you know, once you get beyond eight legs, you know, you get to 12 legs and the, the, there's just more issues that come with more dogs, but you've got some properties that, uh, that allow unlimited pets. Yeah. Yeah. Which is scary, isn't it? You know, if, if you're a, <laughs> if you're a property owner and you're wanting to let out your property, it sounds really scary, but in reality, um, I think I said to you earlier, I did a, a, a quick check of the stats on Super Control of the numbers of dogs that we've had booked in. And 60% of our bookings this year have been one to two dogs. And then I think it was something like, I can't remember now, another 30 something um, percent had three to four. And a really small percentage actually mm-hmm. had more than that. But we, I think just by saying that is possible, that gives people confidence that we really are dog welcoming. And we have had... 
I think our record is 16 in one <gasps> property, which is like, you know, quite bonkers. I, 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 was, I can hear the collective gasp. You know, <laughs> my God, that's an entire pack. But, you know, and it was, it was a little bit of a gulp one. We just went, okay, yeah, we sit unlimited. So, and it was, I think it was like four older ladies and they all had several small dogs between them. But I think it smelled a bit doggy when the cleaners mm-hmm. got in. And that was pretty much it, you know. Um, so that wasn't, it really wasn't quite as scary as it sounds, but the majority of the time we do have the lower numbers. Um, I yeah. just want to be able to say that we will take more because I think also whether you agree with it or not, there two dogs can be very different, can't they? Two dogs can be two really enormous dogs that are very young, very boisterous, you know, owned by people who don't look after them very well mm-hmm. and can cause all sorts of damage or can it can be three elderly whippets now which would you rather have the two big boisterous ones or the three elderly whippets that won't do anything apart from sleep so it's a little bit of that is that the the number is there as a guideline Um, I do understand the different breeds and the characteristics and the types. You don't have to, but you can certainly look at sizes and say, "Hmm, okay, two tiny little dogs is a bit different to two Great Danes. So Mm -hmm. we we are flexible, but still, as I say, the majority of our bookings are one to two dogs. And it's it's just a kind of little bit of a extra niche thing that we allow unlimited because it it rarely happens that we have huge numbers. Mm -hmm. And and to be honest, we have so little damage from the the large numbers because they're just so grateful that they can come. So, so what are your so let, let call them policies, rules, guidelines, whatever? What what do you tell your guests when they're bringing their dogs? What 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 do you want them to to, to do before they leave? That sort of thing. Um, okay, well, they must pick up their dog mess. <laughs> I know that's uh, that is an absolute given, and everyone should do it. But there are people that sometimes don't, but the majority do, and that is a, that's a rule. We don't we don't have many rules, but that really is one of them. I ask people just to sort of make sure that they they tidy up after their dogs. Really, if they've got do- if they've used the dog throws, put them to one side so we can we can launder them. Um, make sure they don't. The other thing is um, not to leave sort of things like toys and chews in the garden, simply because. The next dogs, I mean, if the gardener doesn't spot them or that the grass isn't cut that day and the next dog comes in and it's a guarding dog, you know, just clear all those bits and pieces out the way. But other than that, not not a huge amount before they go. We sort of say, you know, please keep on top of the, the tidying, but that's going to involve stripping the beds and emptying the bins and doing the washing up. So not really dog related. Um, mm-hmm. If you see what I mean, and I think it's actually easier for a dog owner to clear up at the end of their stay because they can pop the dogs in the car, not worry about them, have a hoover around, all the rest of it. Whereas children, what do you do with them when you're trying to <laughs> trying to get out of a property? <laughs> you know, I just leave them in the car, really. Um, so, not we, we we try to have a minimum amount of rules. Um, we have a sort of guideline about leaving dogs in the properties. Um, some of them, some of the properties say no, don't do it, which is absolutely fair enough. Others will say if you if you as an owner know your dogs will settle if they're left alone, then you can do it. But we don't want to hear any bark, you know, barking and any stress. And occasionally that has happened. And I will call the owner straight away and say, you've got to come back. You know, your dog is, is stressed in the property. But that but that rarely happens. And we also um, we've identified a couple of people in the area who do dog sitting. So they'll come mm-hmm. around and dog sit. I will do it myself, actually, as well. I'm, I'm sometimes asked if I know anyone. And I think, do you know what? That evening I'm not doing anything. So I go around. I'll look after the dogs for them in the property while they go out for dinner or something. I get to meet somebody else's dogs. I get to sit in one of the properties, have a quick look around, go, yeah, this is all fine. I've got a good Wi-Fi. I can work as long as I've got tea. I'm English. I must have tea. 
So as long as I've got tea bags and milk, I will do anything. So and they they're usually really really grateful, and you get a bottle of wine or a bunch of flowers. But that that's only a you know a kind of ad hoc thing that I offer. But I do we do sort of suggest that they use um, dog sitters if they want to go out. But most of the time they want to go out with the dogs. So yeah, it's, um, we, we we are lucky we don't have to really apply too many rules overall. Um, so I, I did have a question here about um, owners and, you know, how do you deal with owner pushback about welcoming pets? But I'm, I'm assuming that the people that are the owners that are coming to you are, are already um, swaying towards accepting pets anyway. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time they, they either know me through, um, you know, they're recommended by somebody that they know it's got dogs and they explain it's the whole dog friendly thing. Yeah, I think largely they do come sort of converted. Although, I mean, I, I have had conversations with people. I had one not that long ago with a chap who didn't realise at all that we were dog friendly. So I was like, sat in this lovely house sort of saying, well, this is how we do it. And then how many dogs would you be prepared to accept? Dogs? Dogs? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, have you looked at the website? No. Okay. So um, I, I, I had a conversation with him about it and you could see he was reluctant but basically I, I suppose the argument I would use is that is such a, a strong market here in the UK there are so many dog owners I think we've gone up from 17 million to oh I can't remember it was ridiculous 70 million another 2 million on top of that something crazy figures I looked at yeah. the other day so that's an awful lot of people and if you are in a rural coastal location so many people are going to want to come with their dog so you know you I don't often have to persuade anybody. And if I have to persuade them and they're very reluctant, I'd say to them, well, you, you best go elsewhere. There are loads and loads of other agencies you can you can listen mm-hmm. with and, and leave us to do the whole dog thing. So it's, yeah, I, I am mostly preaching to the converted when, when they come on board. <laughs> yes, we, we find, you know, a lot of owners coming on saying that they start off by saying, no, I don't want pets. And then I'll go into the statistics. Yeah. So and, and just looking in the US, you know, 63% of US homes have a pet and that was before mm-hmm. the pandemic. So yeah. interesting. And, and of course, we have a lot of domestic travel now because people aren't going abroad. So I use that one. And then also the other thing is, is that is that our own stats is that how many people come out of, of you know, our market in Toronto coming north, 65, well, before the pandemic, it was 65% of them had a dog in the group. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, okay. So, so you, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to be pet friendly, that's absolutely fine. And I completely respect that, but you've got to, you've got to understand you're now looking at a much smaller section of the market. Yeah. I and mean, the other thing, another niche as well, you know, to sort of take yourself off somewhere else and do a completely yeah. different niche where dogs aren't really, really part of it. But yeah, you're, you're washing around in a market with no dogs. You are missing, missing that potential. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I'm usually able to, to, to persuade and then we get into the, okay, well, I only want tiny dogs. <laughs> yeah. Only want small dogs. It's, quite honestly, there isn't a great deal of difference. No, they got four paws. We're and, and ask, and, yeah. yeah, we're going to ask the owners to pick up. So you know, maybe it's a small pile or maybe it's a large pile, but they're yeah, going to pick them yeah. up anyway. And you um, can get small dogs that shed an awful lot of hair, and big dogs that don't shed any hair. And there's there's all, there's all sorts of differences. Um, but yeah, it's it's just that. It's, being a little bit flexible, I think, is is key mm-hmm. to it. Which is on the on the on the numbers idea, isn't it? I mean, I've I've got yeah. a new owner, a new property. In fact, a property that is quite unlike what I normally offer. It's um, it's actually a first story flat. So you have to go upstairs, and there's no outside area as such as parking and everything. But it's right by the sea in a very very popular seaside town. Uh, if you're in the UK, it's Sheringham. So it's lovely, mm-hmm. it's charming, it's gorgeous, and you've got access to walks and everything. And she only really wants one or two dogs. And I've actually thought, well, you know, it's it's actually a really quite a small flat. And 
if you've got to then share the building with other people, do you want three or four dogs sort of going up and down the stairs? Well, I think one or two just more manageable. So she's the only one at the moment that I've said, yeah, okay, we'll go for one or two, but it, it, it will work. It will work because we've got, you know, that 65% or 60% of, of one yeah. or two dogs. And I, I use the Facebook group as well to ask my demographic about it. So what do you think guys, we might, might have this flat and it's um, upstairs and blah, blah, blah. Several people said, oh no, Sue, that wouldn't suit us at all. And lots of people said, that sounds lovely. We would, we would love to come to that one. So it just, it just shows you, you know, it's, um, it's just what works really. Understanding your audience is, is quite important, I think as well. Yes. We, we, we try, when we talk to owners, it's more, you know, let, let's be as flexible as we, as we can, you know, just saying it's got to be under a certain weight limit and hypoallergenic and, you know, you be, you begin to, to, get down into into an area where you probably may as well not be pet friendly at all no and also how do you monitor those things how do you you know uh uh, if you say one well-behaved dog welcome how how do you monitor that it's well behaved and if you get hypoallergenic or or if even if you uh, um insist that they have flea treatment before they come which is some, some this topic comes up from time to time how do you monitor that as the agent? How do you even monitor that as the owner? Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people don't want to use certain flea treatments on their dogs. And actually, in all the years I've been doing it, I think we've had a handful of properties where there's been a flea infestation and you have to get somebody in and sort it out. But most people, they don't want fleas in their own home. So why are they going to have a flea-ridden dog that they're going to bring into your home? Exactly. Um, Exactly. And, and whatever rules like that you you apply, you have to be sure that you can actually make them work. Otherwise, people will just ignore them. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So uh, we've got a few minutes left. I just wanted to to uh, talk about how you're marketing your your niche. Um, um well, and I know yeah. with the you know you do a lot of direct booking. Um, yeah. So yeah. where else do you advertise? Don't do a huge amount of extra advertising, but I think we we target um, dog friendly publications and websites. So there's dog friendly listing sites. There's quite a few of those um, here in the UK. So we we make sure we're on those. And I do paper publications occasionally, not very often. If somebody comes to me with, you know, a dog-friendly magazine comes to me with a good deal, I'll usually take them up on that. Um, obviously, there's the social media. There's a lot, a lot of Facebook pages that are all about dog-friendly accommodation. You only have to start typing that in and you'll get loads, um, certainly in the UK. I've probably mm-hmm. got a list of about 40. So you can share your posts um, on there. They're all sort of targeted towards the dog market. Instagram we use, obviously, with lots of the right hashtags. Don't really do Twitter terribly much. So that's the social media side of it. But yeah, if we can if we can get some adverts in, we obviously do Google ads as well. Um, and before lockdown, I did quite a lot of dog shows, not, not having mm. a stand necessarily, but going around and talking to lots of people, branded top on, you know, cards and leaflets, having a chat about their dogs. Um, I went to a pet a dog show down in Kent, which is sort of down in the southeast of the country a while back and we we were part of a competition there so I was actually on a stand with the organizers and we got we met lots of people who entered the competition and gave us their you know details on a slip of paper that we pulled out of a hat and those things like that they're quite time consuming but I found like we have crafts so you must know about crafts and you probably have similar dog shows there but I go to crafts and we pretty much spend three out of the four days just walking around talking to people and and spreading the word and getting to see lots of dogs which is lovely and (laughs) happening to buy lots of nice dog things and you know enjoying enjoying the marketing really enjoying the marketing experience but it's all really focused on the dog market if, if somebody comes to me and says oh you know, we've got this amazing publication, amazing website. So would you like to advertise? It's about holiday rentals. 
I won't bother with it unless it's targeted towards dogs because I just find it mm. an awful lot easier. We're, you know, I want to be focusing on my market, and if it's a dog-friendly publication or dog show, that's my market right there. So you might as well immerse yourself in that. Plus, plus the Facebook groups as well. But um, other than that, we don't really. Uh, I think we tried a little bit of Airbnb, but I don't bother too much with that. But the website's good. The website's strong. We get it out there a lot, so we get a lot of direct bookings. Mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love that. We, we are, we too are hun- last two years, we've been a hundred percent direct book through our website, but I, Brilliant. Yeah. you've, you've motivated me actually. We have an event called Woofstock. Okay. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> Woofstock. Yeah. <laughs> like that. And so, so we, we don't have, well, um, there, there probably are events. There probably are pet events. That I don't, I, I just have not noticed because I haven't thought about it, but you know, part of me, we, we, We've often asked to advertise at outdoor activity events, but I mm-hmm. think the the whole pet events might be a much better idea. Yeah. And I'll um, I have a, a, a friend called Tyann Marsink Hammond. She has her own property management company, has multiple properties of her own, and she bought uh, she bought a property in a in a small town called Marthasville in um, Missouri, and the it's near to the Purina okay. Arena. So mm-hmm. it's their pre. Their, so it's it's not the manufacturing plant, but it's the it's the Purina Arena. They run all these events. So she's able to fill her place year round. One of her places year round. Yeah. With people who are going to these events because no one else Perfect. in the area has these pet friendly properties. That sounds amazing. So, yes. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it it's just understanding you know where your market is and yeah. and heading towards it. I was going to say just one last thing. We do also, um, we do quite a lot with dog charities as well. And that I suppose in many ways is a way of getting a different market. We have, um, we, we take a certain amount from each booking and put it in our charity pot. And every so often on Facebook, we'll say, right guys, we've got X amount of money in our charity pot. Give us some charities that you want to promote or, you know, and we choose three and we do things like we give um, vouchers, prizes, gifts to draws and, and, you know, fundraising events about dog for dog charities partly because I'm obviously passionate about it. But I think, again, that introduces us to another market. So, but it does some yeah. good. So it's a win-win, that one, for everybody. But that's brilliant. And I, and I think people are going to take a lot of notice of that because we're, we're, we're looking at, everybody's looking now at giving back. You know, how do we yeah. give back? Yeah. But you Absolutely. give back in the area that, 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 that you're passionate about. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, Sue, it's been absolutely fantastic. I know we could, we could talk for <laughs> a lot longer. I think you probably um, could. <laughs> But you know, I am I'm getting a bit desperate for my next hit of tea. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> I, I am known now for going to vacation rentals and the first thing I go and look for. And then you know, not in England, because I know there's a kettle in every vacation absolutely, rental in England. Absolutely. But uh, but you go to North America and like, what's a kettle? <laughs> really? Oh my goodness. I couldn't go. So <laughs> I so yes, I, I, I am sort of known for the tea. Eating my English. tea. Yes, the tea. Yes, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the tea lady. So it's, it's nice. We, we brought, we're brought up with it, aren't we? We brought up having tea from, you know, from mother's milk to tea. It was an absolute seamless transition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have one Canadian grandchild who is seven years old. She doesn't, she can't do without her morning tea. Oh, bless her. <laughs> How sweet. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope, you know, at some point when I get across to England, we can get to meet face to face. That would be that lovely. Would be, that would be that lovely. Would, that would be lovely. I'd come, love to come and stay in one of your properties, bring Definitely. my family with their dogs. Yeah. That would be yeah, fantastic. No, fantastic. Really good. <laughs> 
Sue, yeah, hang around a second and, uh, and, and, and I'll chat with you in a moment when I just okay. uh, turn off the recording. All right. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me. Really has. My first time you've made it absolutely brilliantly. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been lovely. Thank you so much, Sue. That was lovely to have such a great conversation with you. Always good to have another Brit on the show. Really like it. And uh, the fact that Sue is located where I spent my formative years, where I spent most of my childhood after the age of nine or 10 was in a place called Norfolk in England. And I went to school there and just loved it. And in fact, Sue's company, East Ruston Cottages, has cottages, so many properties on beaches in the areas that I used to go as a kid and take my dogs for walks. And I can see why her company is so successful, just by the fact that she has this great philosophy of welcome rather than tolerance. So, I hope if you have been on the fence about accepting pets that you might give it another try. But I would say not to do it if you're only going to be tolerant of them. If you are focused on being really welcoming, then for sure, give it a go because I think it is a great niche to be in. And it certainly works for me with my company. So just as I said at the beginning, just a couple of weeks now before the Vacation Rental Women's Summit takes place in New Orleans, I think there are still tickets available. It's going to be an amazing event. And if you are able to get to New Orleans for a couple of days, then I positively recommend that you do it. It, There's some great people coming and it's not just the ladies, there's some gentlemen there as well. So from my experience of last time with quite a few guys there, they certainly enjoyed it and didn't feel out on a limb at all. So I would love to see as many friends there as, as can possibly make it. So if you're interested, go to the show notes you can find the link to the Vacation Rental Women's Summit. Get in touch with Amy and buy your ticket. There's still some available. Well, I think I'm going to go and take my dog for a walk because it's a beautiful afternoon and because I'm in my RV, I can take my dog wherever I want. And I would love it. I would love to hear from you if you are pet friendly and what you actually do to welcome those pets. It's a very special thing to do with the amount of people who have dogs in the family and treat them as family. So that's it for another week. Always an absolute pleasure to be with you and to know that you are or that you have me in your ear. And I will be with you again next week with the one and only Matt Landau, who is going to be talking or sharing some of the key points that he made in so many different keynote presentations that he did during conference season. Because not many of us, well, not all of us can get to all these conferences. And personally, I would have loved to have been to all of them. Couldn't make it because of border issues and you know other, other work commitments just like you. So it, it's great that Matt came along for next week's episode to talk about all his presentations and to share some of the key points with us. So watch out for that and I'll see you again or I'll be with you again next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. 
If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.